0: the nature of your emergency good morning police fire military and families and to everybody who is listening in on the tactical living podcast i'm your host ashley walton joined with john brewer how are you good how are you I'm good. Thank you. I had you move your book over in the in the background there. Right. And we're going to get into talking a little bit about that. But John, you are an Army Special Forces veteran. So we thank you for our freedom. And you're I'm also fine. the author of Fight Your Best Life. So I'm very excited to talk about a lot of this. And I'm going to be doing a giveaway to whoever comments the most within 24 hours on this thread and the promo thread. And we have a spring-assisted folding knife with the American flag, of course, embossed on it. And if you guys have any questions as we go about this john's in the group so we can tag him and then we'll try to get to them on the live too um john i listened to an interview of yours and you were talking about your father and i'm so sorry that you've lost him i know what it's like to lose a parent but um it got me wondering what what the reason was for you to join the army to begin with
1: uh <laughs> oddly enough the reason why I joined the military was to gain experience, uh, to be able to apply for a federal agency later on in life. And, uh, and that seems a bit weird, but <clears throat> what it was is uh, when I was in college, I realized that I, that's when I first started hearing about human trafficking and things like that. And then I got really interested in it. And then when I graduated college, I didn't think that uh, I would be able to get hired by a federal agency with uh, it was an exercise sports science degree. Uh, So pretty much just a glorified uh, personal trainer and I didn't think I was going to get hired with, with just that so I decided and at the time I had you know, with my life and everything going on, I didn't have any ties, so I was like, might as well just just join the military. And then from there, I found out about special forces. I know it's a it's actually been a joke now to where I didn't know what the green berets were before then, and I'd never watched Rambo at that time. So, uh, so yeah, I was kind of naive to to the military in general. And then I just decided to join just uh, to gain some experience, some life experience, and and see some stuff that. I wouldn't normally see or be exposed to some things I wouldn't normally be exposed to. And obviously the training and experience that I've had has, has led up to this moment. So, and actually I, you know, once, I got out, I did apply to federal agencies and I did just recently get home, uh, hired by Homeland Security investigations, but I had to resign cause they wanted to give me New York city as my, wow. uh, field office. And that did not work out for me. So, so yeah, so I recently had to resign there. So I'm back to, I don't know if I'm going to reapply to a federal agency, but I'm thinking about local, actually. And that's why I also want to be a part of this community, because I'm just about to get into law enforcement, uh, so to speak. So um, my background's military, but I'm looking to get in law enforcement. So definitely want to be a part of this community. Yeah,
0: That's awesome. Yeah, we can definitely support you in any way that we can. And um, here we talk a lot about mental health. So I'm wondering, having such an intense, yeah, U.S. Marshals, I was thinking that same thing. I'm guessing that's Derek that said that having such an intense career in the army, what was that transition like for you back to civilian life?
1: Uh, It's pretty tough, actually. Um, And and I did join the National Guard uh, just because I didn't want to quit at cold turkey. Uh, But at the same time, even that transition, uh, you know, going from team life to to kind of, I mean, because what ended up happening is I reclassed right before I got out of uh, active duty. So I was an 18 Bravo, so the weapons uh, sergeant, and then I reclassed to a medic. And so, um, actually, my last two, two years in, in active duty, I was reclassing to a medic at the time. And so. I had been off the team for, for a little bit of time, but then, you know, obviously once, once I got active duty, it didn't really hit me at first, but as time progressed, I could tell that there was just something that, um, I mean, I won't say that I was depressed or anything, but I was definitely, you know, especially cause you know, I wasn't as physically active as I was. I wasn't, you know, a part of a group that I was. And even though I was still in national guard, that's a completely different uh, environment and things like that. So it just, it definitely did weigh on me for quite a while. And I, and every now and then it still weighs on me. And I find that, uh, and actually once I got hired from Homeland security, I could feel a little bit of burst of energy. And then, uh, just because it's, you know, I think it's really that purpose driven, uh, kind of motivation to where you realize that you're part of something bigger than yourself. And you realize that you have this purpose that you're really motivated to, to help out with and and not having that does kind of weigh on you a bit. And so that's why that's, one reason why I wrote the book is because I really truly think that purpose can drive us and, and, and get us to where we're going. So we're not always down mm-hmm. in the dumps or, you know, that we have a reason for getting up in the morning.
0: <clears throat> yeah, for sure. And in another interview, I heard you talking about um, just the leadership experience and knowledge that you gained in the military. And I'm wondering how much of that was transferable into the way that you're living your life now.
1: All of it really. Um, you know, cause when I was growing up, I was very shy, so I was shy kind of, um, you know, up until a certain point in time, I really didn't. I mean, I had friends and stuff that I hung out with, but I really didn't go out and really venture outside of my circle and um, and the military got me out of that. Obviously, I mean, w- one thing I talk about is the the first day in, in uh, basic training when they just put you in a group of strangers uh, in the shower, and like I was, I remember it like you know, I was just like, all right, well, you know, here we go. And and that's, that became my mentality all through my army career. Is that even though if I was unsure about it, I was just like, all right, well, we'll just see what happens. And so that that was kind of the first little you know change, and, and then from there. You know, all the like leadership qualities and things like that, obviously, is, a, is progressive uh, and, and more of a progression than anything else. And so um, and so that that would come along eventually. And, and obviously, I'm still not like the tip top, you know, leadership go to guy. But at the same time, I do have a very unique experience, just like anybody else would about how, you know, we've gotten to a certain point and how we use that kind of skill sets uh, to either teach others or, or to use for ourselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's inspiring. Something that you said that your dad said was, um, just in the, 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 the man that was interviewing you, the question was something along the lines of with how soft men are nowadays, what advice would you give to them to be able to kind of be more manly? I suppose. And you had made mention that your dad said something about you getting hurt one time when you were younger. And he said, like, you're going to have to heal before you get married. And I thought that was so powerful because I have five brothers and I'm the only girl. And it's so indicative as to how my dad is, like, get over it kind of thing. So um and I- just following suit to that same sentiment. How how does somebody who has been conditioned in that way or maybe hasn't had the experience that you have had? in the army, find ways to just empower themselves and to be better versions of themselves.
1: Yeah. So, and actually another thing my dad said one time, uh, my uh, girlfriend of two years had just broken up with me and we were, uh, I was at home and I was at college, but I came home for the weekend and I remember I was just sitting there in the recliner and he was on the couch and he just randomly looked over to me and he was like, uh, you know, John, sometimes you just have to be a man about it. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think I said anything back to him, but that's all, always stuck out to me too, because, you know, he saw that I was just like, you know, uh, you know, pretty much wallowing in my own, you know, self group or whatever, you know, the term might be. And, and, you know, and, and that's kind of how he was. It's not saying that he wasn't empathetic or sympathetic, because obviously he had been through some of the stuff that he had been through, but at the same time, you know, he realized that sometimes there's a point to where you just gotta, you know, you gotta stop, you know, kind of you know, wanting to dive in those emotions and, 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 and just be depressed because you're depressed and, and, and actually just start to get out of it and, in, in whatever way possible. And, and so, <clears throat> you know, that's another kind of, kind of thing he said, but, you know, to go back to what you're saying, cause you're actually, could you repeat the question? Cause I wanted to say that real quick, uh, just because that was another light little tidbit, uh, from him, but, um, yeah, we'll, no, I uh, like I'll that. I
0: I, I yeah. love that, especially um, being able to kind of share in the memory of people that we've lost, especially our folks yeah. like that. Definitely have to be a man about it sometimes. Yeah. And the, the question was people who don't have that mindset. You know, it oh, sounds really? like you and I were both raised similarly with, you know, get over it, get over yourself and do the work. Um, but not everybody was raised that way. So how how does somebody that you've come across and working with as a client, um, get to that place of just wanting to to be the best version of themselves.
1: Yeah. So, so that's kind of a process, but the, the the kind of steps to it is one, you have to know yourself and, and that, and that's a journey within itself too, because, you know, one, we, we might have a a decent idea of of who we are because obviously we live inside our brain. We talk to ourselves all the time. We know our actions. We're, we're with ourselves 24 seven, but at the same time, I do think that sometimes our vision of ourselves is a little off or maybe we're just kind of lying to ourselves to where we're acting like one thing, but we're really uh, something different. And so internal awareness is, is really big in, in that portion. And then outside of that is uh, understanding where you want to go as a person. And that's a little bit more, you know, that might just take time, right? Because we don't have all the answers in the beginning or, or any at any point in time, really. Uh, so what it comes down to is that you're just constantly on a journey to figure out what you need, you know, your purpose, who you are, and, and how all those things align. And then once those things all align, it, it becomes easier, uh, you know, life does. And and you understand that, you know, there's cer- certain things that belong in your life and there are certain things that don't belong in your life. And, and you know, it's no hard feelings. It's just it doesn't align with what you have going on. And so I think that's those two things right there is is really uh, where it's at is internal awareness and just finding, uh, you know, a uh, finding a, a purpose and, and having everything in line with that.
0: Yeah, that's great. Sounds like my dad growing up. I get thrown off a horse, and he said, "Get back on or no more horses." Makes you man up at a young age. Yeah, that exactly like my dad too. I, I like that. So, when talking about internal awareness, then John, there was a a, a little tip that you had given about how much you love music. And you got to this point where when you're in the gym and you're sweating it out, you actually don't listen to music anymore because you have learned the discipline of just tapping into your own thoughts, which I know a lot of people are very uncomfortable with. So how did you get to that place of, of being able to just sit with your own thoughts?
1: Yeah. I don't, to be quite honest, I haven't figured that out yet because I used to, I only lifted, uh, and, and, and ran, especially cardio only did that with, with music. And, uh, and I don't, I think it was actually around the time I got out of active duty. It's just, uh, you know, I, It was more of a distraction than anything after that and and one because I realized I was trying to like find the next song to be able to, to do the next rep in and it was taking too much time. So I think maybe I was just trying to streamline my workouts. But, you know, I've always, like I said before, I was shy growing up and I've always been kind of a thinker and daydreamer. And so, uh, and in my adult life, you know, obviously with technology, that's kind of faded away a little bit just because now I find that I reach for my phone sometimes if I'm just not doing anything. But at the same time, um, I do actually, I've been trying to re-energize that really to to get back into my thoughts because I, I find that. Uh, there are some, you know, Eureka moments and things like that to where if I am in my thoughts, cause one, you'll start to, <clears throat> what I find is that, um, one, you'll just have, uh, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of this, but like people talk about going on walks or taking a shower to really get the thought process going. And, and that could be for a variety of things. Most of the time they talk about it for business, uh, but it could be used in, you know, just in normal everyday thought. And, and I find like when I do that and I'm not really truly trying to think about anything that a thought will pop into my head. And that will be something that, uh, is relevant to what's going on and that I could use in my daily life. And, uh. And then from there, I just kind of explore that or whatever. And then once it kind of fades away, I don't try to, I don't try to like really think about anything. It's just whatever comes to mind. And, and so when I'm in the gym or something like that, that's really kind of what happens is that, um, you know, I just keep my mind blank and then whatever pops in, I think about it. And then when that starts to fade away, then I just let my mind go blank again. And it's a little bit of meditation, sort of, I mean, it's, it kind of is, and it kind of isn't. And so I just try to, you know, whatever thoughts are coming in, I let it come in. And when they fade away, they fade away. And so that's really kind of, you know, how my workouts have been for the past three years, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, I think it's great to be comfortable with that thought process. Good morning. Good morning. You said in your bio that you act as a facilitator in guiding others to meet their safety and security needs. So I'm wondering what the purpose is of your book, Fight Your Best Life.
1: Yeah, so the purpose of the book is to be a, a kind of a template and and just be the foundation to to self-defense obviously and then also at the same time just that self-help and self-improvement portion to give people a, a you know a, a guiding direction on how to start if they haven't started or even if they have started uh, but mostly it's just to have that foundation and, and what the book is is just the foundational piece it's it doesn't go into too deep in any particular concept it just tries to give a high level overview just enough to get people to understand the concepts and then from there they kind of kind of make it their own and mold it into them uh you know to themselves and use it how they can use it so it's more of a of a tool rather than like a book telling you what to do it's just uh, you know whatever you fit you know whatever you seem fit to where it could be used for i think uh that's what the book is is, is more of a resource than anything
0: yeah, that's awesome. respect for that. My gym is the yeah to escape all the thoughts for that short time each day for sure. And with your experience, John, with how bizarre and shocking the world has become in our beautiful nation, why is it important, especially for civilians to um, just learn self-defense?
1: Yeah, so I mean first and foremost, I think, depending on where you live, the risk can be very low of, of things that could happen. But at the same time, there is a chance. And so with that, even if it's a 1% chance, you say, there's one, and I know I'm actually preaching to the choir, but at the same time, you know, that 1% chance is, is enough to at least consider it, you know, to have it run through your mind every now and then. And, and it may be, maybe nothing more than 10 minutes of, of thought, uh, at any particular time. But you know, what, what ends up happening is that, um, you know, not only are you preparing for for a worst case scenario, but through this preparedness and this training, I also talk about self uh, transferable skills. And I do think that the the stuff you learn and in, in self-defense and what I've learned in the military to transfer over into my life and, and things in law enforcement as well. And so what ends up happening is all those transferable skills get used in other aspects of your life. And I do think it does better, better your life as a whole when you start to understand these concepts and these life and death situations and then apply them to everyday life. Because what I do tell people all the time is that if you can handle a life or death situation, you can handle anything. So I think that's where most of that concept comes from.
0: Yeah. And I think that even, you know, being a first responder, a military service member, there are times where you can, you know, I'm married to one, so I can say that there are times where you could become complacent because you get so comfortable and used to the nuance of self-defense that perhaps that puts your guard down at times. We just had, you know, the, the incident in Maine take place where that's a perfect example of, um, you know, the importance of self-defense and making sure that you have the skill set that are, you know, transferable, as you said, and then to be able to carry that with you all of the time, I think that's very, very important. Um, so when it comes to the template that you have created within your book, who do you think that the book is best for?
1: Mm. So as as I, as I was writing the book, um, it's actually in the subtitle. So the subtitle is, you know, for personal for personal empowerment, uh, protecting your loved ones and living fearless. And, and those three components are the first component is one, anybody who's interested in self improvement. Uh, so that, that was a big one. And then the second one, protecting your family, well, loved ones. And that's for families, whether you're, you know, a two parent household, a one parent household, three parent household, you know, it doesn't matter. It's, uh, or extended family type of thing. And, and then also at this, uh, last one, living fearless. So, that's more so uh, for those who have already been victimized or perhaps uh, those who just have that anxiety piece, whether they've been, you know, whatever tra- uh, traumatic experience they've been through. And so I'd say that when, when I wrote the book, um, you know, it's meant for everybody. But at the same time, those were the th- three demographics I was really hoping that would pick up the book and look at it, especially those who have been victimized and families because, uh, you know, one, having a family now uh, myself, I understand all the anxiety and worry that happens with having children. And so it's, it's very, there's a lot going on and it can be very, um, you know, it, it can really clog up your mind at times. And so I, I feel like if you can plan for it, you know, uh, be able to write it down or whatever, or rehearse, you know, whatever plan, then you can kind of free up your mind to, to actually, uh, you know, uh, you know, focus on your purpose. And then also at the same time, the victimized thing, I think uh, victims of crime, you know, they they go through a traumatic experience. And then also at the same time, they um, all that time is taken away from what they could be doing and then being focused on recovery and, and dealing with the traumatic experience and things like that. So I think if they're able to handle all that, they can go back to focus on on their purpose. And so really, it's all about you know really getting back to what's truly important which is your purpose and things that you truly care about instead of worrying about you know your life and your family's life all the time it's really about uh being able to get that handled and then go back to what's truly important
0: yeah and uh you can feel free to congratulate john in the comments because he just had a baby girl and she's sleeping in the next room so we have to be quiet and i know we're uh we're wrapping up here but i have never heard anybody with the take on relating self-defense and self-improvement so what is that relationship for you
1: yeah so really scientifically it came down to the maslow hierarchy of of needs and and so being in the second you know, kind of layer of, of needs, I, I do, I do feel like, um, that if you don't have some sense of, of, um, you know, protection or things like that, you're never going to be able to reach your self actualization and your purpose. Uh, so that is first and foremost now outside of that, like I said. The, the military, what I did like about the military is that I was exposed to a, a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different skill sets, and all of those kind of, uh, have been brought over into my personal life. So I do, I do think that the self-defense piece also brings these, a variety of skill sets that can be used in, in any aspect of your life. Um, one being, you know, problem solving, which is a big one because we do it every day. And then also it goes down to the, you know, the actual physical skill sets of whether it's just general fitness or, um. You know maybe it is some type of combatives to we're able to you know handle uh and then it also can be the medical piece as well which i'm really big on obviously because i do think that everybody should have a a um sorry my screen went black everybody should have a uh you know basic knowledge of first aid because you know just like self-defense you know emts uh can be 10 minutes away or however however many minutes away and And those minutes are, are, are vital to, to get someone, you know, especially if they're having a, uh, you know, some type of crisis, medical crisis. So I do think it's very important for those to have some type of first aid knowledge as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I love that. You mentioned Maslow on, on my phone, I have this, this repeat on my schedule and it says what one can be one must be, which of course is from Maslow. So final question here, uh, you are your own first responder. Yeah, absolutely. Where can we get your book?
1: Uh, so Amazon. Yeah, it's oh, uh, I, right now it? the ebook. Yeah, ebook and paperback is on Amazon. The audio book is in production right now. And hopefully that will be available end of November. And yeah, because I, I definitely want to do an audio book too, because I don't read books. Oddly enough, I listen to them. Uh, so I definitely wanted to have all three type of platforms available for, you know, whatever however you read or listen or go about your uh, learning, so to speak.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking of Tom Aubrey in our book because I think he listens to more audio books than anybody that I know. He's he's a police yeah. officer too. So yeah. that's awesome. I just started reading. Yeah, I'm guessing that's from Derek too. Yeah, this could be your your next book then, Derek. John, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Stick on here so that we can talk a little bit. Um and I'll, I'll let you go because I know that you're busy right. with your baby. <laughs> and um, thank you so much to everybody who's tuned in.